The message of the New Testament is as the time of Jesus' coming draws near, the church is charged with the standing boldly and unashamedly and resolutely on the word of God. That's what we're seeing. The, the charge of the church as Jesus prepares to come again is to stand boldly, unashamedly, resolutely on the word of God. And the message of the New Testament is as the church stands on the word of God, it can expect persecution, trouble, and suffering to increase. And so really, if you want to sum all that up, our message in this letter is prepare to stand, and at the same time, equally so, prepare to suffer. And that's what we're finding here in this letter. Prepare to stand. It's important that we stand, but at the same time, prepare to suffer. Now, be sure that is not a common message. For sure, not today. That is not a popular message. And I'll just tell you for sure that is not an attractive message. I've yet to find a church that the sign says, come suffer with us. Or suffering inside, service starts at 10. Yet, the truth is, that is the fact, that is the reality according to God's word. That is what is coming for followers of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the question. Will we be ready when the time comes? Will we be equipped? Will we be resolved, willing to endure? Well, God in this study is preparing us for that. Well, that continues tonight. That's what he's been doing. That is what he continues to do tonight. Tonight, our message is entitled, The Joy of Suffering. The Joy of Suffering. Tonight, we're in 1 Peter chapter 4, tonight, verses 12 through 19. We're going to finish up the fourth chapter. 1 Peter chapter 4, tonight, verses 12 through 19. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor of and the reverence of the reading of God's word, beginning tonight in verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory you may rejoice with exultation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or thief or evildoer or a troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what will become of the godless man and the sinner? Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come tonight again, we praise you tonight again, we thank you, we worship you. We're thankful that tonight we have a Savior. We're thankful that in that Savior, Jesus, we have the forgiveness of our sin, our redemption paid for. 
Lord, I'm thankful that we have a salvation, not that we could have ever earned, but that you give us in grace. Lord, we come tonight and I pray that you have been pleased in our meeting, that this hour has pleased you. And I pray now as we begin to study your word, I pray again that it would be impactful, that it would be astonishing, really, and that you would speak to us tonight. Lord, we we come and just tell you, we do love you, and we praise you, and we thank you. We lay this out before you. We trust it to you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This week, I was reading about a Canadian pastor who, during the pandemic, refused to close his church. He refused to close his church. For that, he was cited. Uh, He was ticketed, he was fined, and ultimately he was charged and he was jailed. Uh, Just this week, this is why it came back up in the news, just this week, uh, the charges made against him were officially dropped. Now, he had to pay a legal team, Uh, he had to go through some hearings, but after those hearings, just this week, those charges were officially dropped. Now, what I was reading was his interview afterward, and he said he was thankful. He was delighted for the the charges being dropped, but he said this. He said it did not fix the fact that he spent 21 days in jail. 21 days in jail. Now, think about that. Without his wife, without his kids, apart from his church, not for theft, not for corruption, not for a violent act, not for a crime, but for leading his church to voluntarily meet. Did you hear that? He didn't force them to come. He he gave them an option. The church will be open. The word will be preached that they could voluntarily meet. For that, he spends 21 days in jail. Now, here's the crazy thing as I think about that. As that happened, most people, his neighbors, were either silent or they were in agreement. And I think that's the craziest thing of the whole thing. As he was charged, as he was put in a car, as he was put into jail for 21 days, his neighbors were silent or were in agreement. There was no public outcry. I think about that, that's the craziest thing. There was no public outcry. Well, we hear that and we say, well, that's crazy. But that's up in Canada. That's where all the liberals are. That's up there. That's why it happens. It's in Canada. That that couldn't happen here in America. Friends, let me be honest with you. Do you know in the pandemic, our friends at the Wood Street Baptist Church here in Vernon, in the middle of a sermon, were met by local police officers who came in the middle of the sermon and asked them to dismiss. I I talked to their pastor after the service, and he said his message to them was either write a ticket or don't, but I've got to finish my message. Friends, listen. Do you see what's coming? Do you see what's creeping in? Do you see what is happening? Maybe it's smoothed out right now. Maybe we feel pretty confident, pretty easy right now. But what if we preach the truth of marriage? One man and one woman. What if we preach the truth of marriage and it's offensive to the culture? What if we preach the truth of creation? 
What if we preach there's only two genders, a man and a, and a female, male and a female? What if that's offensive to the culture? What if we come and we preach the value of life? And listen, I'm talking about all life. What if we try to line up biblically on abortion and racism? What if we call a sin a sin, what God has called a sin? And what if our culture is offended at that? Listen to me. Suffering is coming before Jesus comes. The testimony of Scripture is suffering is coming. So what do we do? So what do we do? Now, there's several things. Peter's telling us those things. We be prepared to give a defense for the hope that's within us, to give a, an account. There's several things. We stand we do not compromise. There's several things. We encourage each other. There's several things. But there's one consistent thing that we see in Jesus, that we see in Paul, that we see in Peter. There's one consistent thing that we do in suffering, and that is this. We rejoice. Rejoice in suffering. Now, let me just tell you, that's the craziest thing that I've ever heard. Isn't that the craziest thing I've ever heard? Suffering is coming. Rejoice. Rejoice in suffering. How? Why? How would you rejoice in suffering? Well, tonight we're going to see three reasons why we should rejoice in suffering. Now, we might not. We have the option. But we're going to find here in Scripture three reasons why we should rejoice in in suffering. Now, the first reason is this. Here we go. We're getting started. First thing is this. We rejoice in suffering because we are being refined in suffering. We are being refined in suffering. All right, let me pause right here. Let me give you a timeout right here. Let me, let me pause. Here's what I want to tell you right here. I don't like to preach this sermon. And I'll just tell you that. Uh, I don't like to preach this sermon. I, a, a, a sermon on suffering that is coming and that we're to rejoice in, I'd rather preach on John 3.16 again. I'd rather preach a whole number of messages in the gospel of John again. I don't like it. I'd rather not preach this sermon. But listen to me. We must be faithful to preach the full counsel of the word of God. That's what it says. And you know what? There's days coming that we're going to need this information. We may be in them right now. Some of you may need this information right now. And so it matters that we know what God has said regarding suffering. And so here we go. First is this. We rejoice because we are being refined in suffering. We are being refined in suffering. Starting in verse 12. Beloved. Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. Now, the, part, the, the verse starts off, and it says, Beloved, beloved. The actual translation here is really more intimate than that. It says, Dear friend, dear friend. Now, there's some folks that think there's a gap here in the letter, and that somewhere about this time, some news had come to Peter that the suffering had escalated. Maybe he heard news about a friend. Maybe he heard news about a church. Maybe he, he heard news about a family member. But he starts off here and he says this, dear friend, with this new news, maybe his attitude turns a little bit. 
Dear friend, I want you to remember this. Peter understood suffering. He knows the pain of suffering. And so it is with no prideful heart, it is with no hard heart that he writes to these folks. He doesn't come, he's not brash here. He doesn't come here, he's not overconfidence here. It is with no prideful heart that he turns and sees these folks and they're suffering. And he says, dear friend, do not be surprised. The word surprise means bewildered or astonished. Don't be amazed, don't be astonished at the fiery ordeal among you. At the fiery ordeal among you. Now here, I'll just be honest with you, right here, I think most of the time I have misunderstood fiery ordeal. Now here's what I think. I read the fiery ordeal and I think this flaming, crazy, hard, huge trouble, it's flaming up, it's flaring up, and it's a crazy amount of trouble. I'm in the midst of a fiery ordeal. Now it could be that, it may be that, but that's not what the word means here. Ordeal means calamity, testing, trial. Fiery, now here's, here's the meaningful word, means this. Smelting, fire, refining fire. The picture here is the metal smith who takes the metal and, and puts it in the pot, and the smelting pot, and heats it up and melts, breaks down the metal. As that process takes place, it removes any impurity from it. It is a process to strengthen the metal. All these things, these impurities, some of them settle out, some of them rise to the top and are skimmed off, but it is a process to strengthen the metal. Well, that's what this is. That's the word here. This event, this ordeal is to refine. Be sure, listen to me tonight. Troubles, trials, hardships, God does not waste them. In fact, he tells us he deliberately uses them. He uses them to teach you, to teach you to trust him, to teach you to turn to him. You can turn every which way. You won't find an answer. He uses these ordeals to teach you to turn to him. He uses them to teach you that his word will stand. You know what? Nothing else is dependable, but the word of God is. And so he uses them to, to teach you his word will stand. And he uses these troubles, these trials, these hardships to give us boldness moving forward, to give us confidence moving forward, to make us stronger moving forward. My God has never left me. My God has never forsaken me. I see my God is wise, perfect in his timing. God uses troubles and trials and hardships to remove what can't stand in our lives. False hopes, sinful responses, sinful attitudes in our lives, sin. He uses this to remove the things that cannot stand. Bottom line is this. We rejoice in suffering because we are being refined in them. Did I mention to you I don't want to preach this sermon? I, I wonder, I, I, I was thinking about this, I wonder why in suffering? Why in suffering? Do you know the word of God can shape us, does? Do you know the word of God can correct us, it does? 
Did you know we learn as we serve? Maybe I can just learn as I, I serve. I'd rather do that. Did you know most of the time, some of the time I don't always listen? You know, some of the times I have the word of God, but my ears aren't ready to listen. My heart's not ready to respond. And so listen to me. In the grace of God, in the wisdom of God, sometimes he lights the refiner's fire. And so we rejoice in suffering. Oh, it's hard. Oh, I'd like to avoid it. But we rejoice in suffering because we are refined in it. Listen what that means. We are made more like Jesus Christ. Better built to live for the glory of Jesus Christ. It's tough. It's tough. But we rejoice because we are refined in suffering. Second thing is this. We rejoice in suffering because we are revealed in suffering. We are revealed in suffering. Let me go back to the second half of verse 12. Which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. Verse 12 says this thing happens, this ordeal for your testing. Now here's the truth. God tests us. God checks us. Now here's something I thought about. Do you know it's really not for him? He already knows what's wrong with us. He already knows where we're weak. It's not for him. It is for us. And so he checks us. He reveals what is in us. It says, as though some strange thing were happening. Here's the deal. This is expected. This is what God does. All right, verse 13. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exultation. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of his glory you may rejoice with exultation. It says, as you share the sufferings of Christ. As you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. Now, I want to tell you what that means. Keep on rejoicing. That means, number one, you are rejoicing. That's what it means, walking with Christ, serving his cause, knowing what's ahead, knowing that you hold a living hope, walking with Christ, you are rejoicing. Get this, listen to me tonight. As believers now, we are to be joy-filled. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. As believers, we are joy-filled. We are happy as believers we have a living hope. We have an anchor that's not moved. We are smiling, joy-filled as believers. Listen, we're singing. I think one of the great indications of what a church is doing is how they sing. We're singing. We're foolishly, crazily singing because we're filled with joy. We're glad to fellowship with God. We're glad to fellowship with each other. So we are joy-filled. Keep on rejoicing. Then it says this, so at the revelation of his glory, that means at his coming, you may rejoice with exultation. You may rejoice with exultation. Exultation is a weird word. It means full to overflowing with joy. That's what it means. If this is the limit, it's over the limit. If this is the top, it's reached the top and it's overflowing with joy. And so see this. 
We are rejoicing with overflowing joy. Not just a whole lot of joy, but we are rejoicing with overflowing joy. Now, can you imagine that? I want you to see the picture here. Jesus has come, and we are in his presence, and there is our Savior, and his word is held true. It is proved correct, and his glory is known all around us, and the labor is ended, and the suffering is over. And so we rejoice in overflowing joy. Do you see that picture here? We are rejoicing now because we're going to be wildly rejoicing then. And it's already carrying over. You know what? I see it. I see the end. I know he's faithful. And so I'm rejoicing now because we will be crazily rejoicing then. Let's keep on going. Verse 14. If you are reviled... For the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Verse 14 again. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Now, revile, we've seen it three times. It means heaped abuse on. If, if there is abuse being heaped on you, here's what it says. For the name of Christ, you are blessed. You are blessed. The spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Now I want you to see this. It's very important. Here is what is happening here. This suffering is refining us. Yes, that's good. That's a good thing. But this suffering, listen to me, it is also revealing us. This suffering is also revealing us. Now, here's what I mean by that. See this. There is a reason the Bible tells us for the suffering. Now, it's not because of our dumb choices. It's not because of our sin. It's not because they dislike you. It's not because of a personality issue. The reason you're suffering is because you are so identified with Jesus. It's because you are so unavoidably known to be devoted to Jesus, and it shows, and it stands out, and Satan can't stand it, and the world can't stand it, and the enemies of God can't stand it, but they sure can't help but see it and so they attack you the reason you're suffering is because you're known and identified with Christ praise the Lord there's a whole lot of folks they'll never suffer for this reason there's a whole lot of folks living a whole lot of things doing a whole lot of things and they're suffering I promise you but this is suffering because you're so identified with the name of Christ praise the Lord Verse 15 is a word of warning. Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or thief or evildoer or a troublesome meddler. This keeps showing up. Peter says here, do not confuse the, the kinds of suffering. There's two kinds of suffering. There's suffering for righteousness, for doing the right thing, and they're suffering for an unrighteousness, deserved suffering. There's a lot of folks that they're suffering, and their suffering is deserved. They've made bad choices. They've marched into sin. Now, listen, God has a remedy for that. He's gracious in that, but don't mix it up. It's not that kind of suffering. Verse 16. 
But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. Now, verse 16 is a great verse. If you suffer as a Christian, I thought that was very interesting. Did you know this was a pretty new word for them? Did you know those in a previous generation would have never known this word? And so here's a new word, and they're able to say it, and they're able to understand it. It means this, a follower of Christ. If you are suffering as a Christian, if you are suffering as a follower of Christ, but if anyone suffers as this group, followers of Jesus, he says they're not to be ashamed, but that person is to glorify God in this name. They are to glorify God in this name of Christian. Believer, listen to me, tough times are coming. For some, hey, they may already be here, but listen, tough times are coming. And you stand up, you bear up, you pick your chin up. And as the world sees you, may they see our Savior. As the world hears you, may they hear the good news of our gospel. As they watch you, may they be sure there is a living God and he is gracious and loving. And as you wear the name of Christian, may God be glorified. You know what an awesome privilege that is? As we wear today, listen, today, tonight, this week, as we wear the name of follower of Christ, may we live in a way that God is glorified. Let me go on, verse 17. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. For it is time, here's what this means. It is time in the urgency of the day, in the seriousness of the day, it is time for the church to be revealed. I was thinking about this just about an hour ago preparing this message. It's time for the church to be revealed. And I want to tell you, we're getting ready to have to stand for the word of God and if we couldn't stand in the good times, if we couldn't take a stand in the good times, what do you think is going to happen when it gets hard? Listen, this is, this is what it's talking about. It's time that the silly things be brought to light. It's time that the empty or vain things be shown to us. It's time that the immature see themselves for what they are. It's time that the uncommitted be convicted. It is time. Now, how serious is this? Peter keeps reminding, verse 18. And if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what will become of the godless man and the sinner? Now, this is a quotation of Proverbs 11, verse 31. The word to help us understand it's the word difficulty. It means trouble or suffering. That's how we would understand it. And so it is saying if, if it's through suffering that the righteous is saved, if there's this much suffering for a righteous person that's saved, what will it be for the godless man? 
What will it be for those that do not know Jesus Christ? What will it be for the sinner that wears their sin? And the reason, this is what it's saying, the reason to endure, the reason to, to stand, the reason to preach the gospel to those outside of Christ is because you think this suffering's bad. Try being under the judgment of God for eternity. Those outside of Christ will suffer. Friends, listen to me. We have to remember the lost. And that's what this is about. Listen, we could get distracted. We could, we could start celebrating Jesus' is coming again. We could get distracted with the things that the world tries to pull us into. But listen, we have to remember the lost. Those outside of Christ are perishing now. Those outside of Christ stand condemned. Those outside of Christ will perish eternally outside of a saving faith in Jesus Christ. We must remember the lost. Second thing, we rejoice because suffering reveals us to be followers of Jesus Christ. We rejoice because we are revealed as followers of Jesus Christ in suffering. Third thing is this. Third thing is this. We rejoice because suffering reminds us. We rejoice because suffering reminds us. Let's look at verse 19. Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. That word entrust means lay alongside. Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. Our God is kind, is loving, is wise. He knows the right thing at the right time. He is perfect in wisdom. Our God is gentle. Our God is patient. He is faithful. He is trustworthy. Our God knows us. Our God sees us. Our God is holy. He is eternal. He is infinite. That blows my mind in every way. Every measurement, he is infinite in every way. Our God is righteous, perfectly righteous. Our God is just. Our God upholds perfect justice. Our God is unchanging. He's dependable because of that. He is unchanging. He does not change. Our God is all-powerful. He can do all things. Our God, all-powerful, is merciful. Our God is gracious to us. Our God is good. He is good. He is good. Our God is incomparable. There's nobody like our God. Our God alone is worthy of all worship and praise. And nothing, listen to me, I believe reminds us of that, I'm convinced, as does great suffering. And I'll, I'll tell you tonight, when our plans are foiled, and when our dreams are dashed, 
And when our hearts are broken, and in our days we move along in sorrow, we may fake a smile, but we move, we trudge along in sorrow. And in our nights we cry in the darkness. The Bible says we entrust a place alongside. We entrust our souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. Hundreds of years before Peter wrote this, David wrote this. Psalm 121. I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From where shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on the right hand. The sun will not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Suffering reminds us God is faithful. Praise the Lord. We can be joyful in suffering. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come, and I, I tell you, Lord, we're astonished. Only a gracious, really astonishing, amazing God could take suffering and bring such a beautiful result. Only, only a gracious, merciful God could do such a thing. And that, that, that's astonishing to me. That's amazing to me until I remember the cross. There in the most ugly thing that's ever been done, the most u- ugly sign that could ever be seen, a, a, a cross stained with blood out of great suffering, you said for the joy set before you, out of that comes salvation. Out of that comes glory. Out of that comes praise. Out of that comes redemption. Lord, we praise you. We thank you that you take suffering. You turn it. You use it. You bless it. You bless it. You use it for good. Lord, we thank you for that. We praise you for that. We worship you for that. Lord, I pray as we conclude this service, I pray if there's somebody that hasn't trusted you, Lord, that's walking through pain and suffering, the guilt of sin, I pray that tonight in the hearing of this Savior, a gracious, kind Savior, the remedy for sin, that tonight they would turn to you. Tonight they would receive you in faith. Lord, I pray for us here that have have put our faith in you. I pray, Lord, that we're being taught tonight, that we're being resolved, encouraged, built tonight to stand as the storm clouds gather. And Lord, I pray that the fruit of this night is this. We wouldn't be fearful. We wouldn't be intimidated, but we would rejoice now because we're going to rejoice then. May rejoicing fill our hearts. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I want to tell you, we have a gracious Savior. We have a kind Savior, the friend of sinners. If you'll turn to him, he'll save you tonight. If you'll turn to him in faith, he'll save you tonight. If you've never done that, do it tonight. You need more information, let's talk. 
Let's settle that tonight. In his grace, by faith in Jesus, claiming him as our Savior, you can be saved tonight. Settle it tonight. Maybe you're here and you've trusted Christ but never fallen in believer's baptism. And maybe you need to say, you know what, I need that testimony to stand. I want that testimony to stand. You come. We'll set a day. It'll be a great day of celebration, pointing to what we believe of our Savior, Jesus, testifying to our Savior, Jesus. Maybe you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it and believe God has led you here. You come. Together we'll serve for his glory, for his name's sake. Maybe you're here tonight and as you hear all these sermons, all these words, maybe it's bearing fruit. Maybe you're getting stirred up. Maybe your prayer is, God, help me to stand. Prepare me to stand. God, prepare me to suffer. Prepare me to carry your name in a way that glorifies our God. We're going to stand and sing. If God has spoken to you, you step out and you come on. You want to come pray with me, pray at an altar, you step out and you come on. As we stand and sing, I'll meet you here. You come on.